Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome everyone to episode 221 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and today because the Spurs screwed up our plans we are only going to give you an Eastern Conference second round preview. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Spurs Nuggets game seven and whether it's time to worry about the Warriors a little bit. Before we get into all of that a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio you can find our Twitter handles so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes so please subscribe download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Is this really episode 221? Uh, yeah. Allegedly. Then, you know what? The next episode, I, I insist, is going to be 221B. <laughs> Why? Sherlock Holmes, man. Oh... 221B Baker Street. Come on. Okay. Get in, get okay. into your nerdgasms here. Come on. It's, it's been a long week with the NFL draft. My brain is half Oh, you were right covering now. it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's in Nashville, so I was going to go downtown to it last night, but then it started pouring. God God was very wise, because going down there would have been an absolute, like, if you've ever been in Nashville, it's being hosted on Lower Broadway, which is just hell on earth, like, on any given weekend, but then... With, like, thousands of people on the streets, it would have been an absolute cluster F. So I'm grateful that the rain deterred me from going down there. But, yeah, it's been an excessively long week of reading mock draft after mock draft after mock draft. So I'm excited to talk about some basketball. People are still into the NFL? Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. Wow. Even though it was, like, such a perfect start to the NFL draft because an hour beforehand a tape leaked about... Uh, one player's girlfriend discussing how he beat their three-year-old child. I was like, oh, this is a, a perfect oh, lead-in. No. Yeah, it was good. Well, welcome to the NFL. The NFL is the worst lead. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's not, right. not great. Uh, so, yeah, so not only did Spurs Nuggets go to Game 7, but the Clippers are frisky and pushed that series to Game 6, so we, we cannot give you the Western Conference second-round preview that we were hoping to give today. We will assume the Warriors will close out, but we have no idea who's, what's going to happen in Spurs Nuggets Game 7. So we'll get to all of that later. But we'll start with the Eastern Conference because all of their teams handled business as they should. Going into the playoffs, it was very clear there were four top teams, Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Philly. Uh, you know, the Magic and Sixers, or sorry, the Raptors and Sixers each dropped their opening game, but it was 16-0 after that. So... Now we have the second round that we were hoping for when when the playoff bracket came out. We saw this titanic clash forthcoming in which all four of these teams have major questions in terms of their long-term future. All of them have major free agents this summer. And what happens over the next couple weeks could go a long way toward determining not only what happens with these franchises, but really like the title picture across the league moving forward. So... Mm -hmm. With the stakes set, let's start with Sixers-Raptors because that series tips off Saturday night. Uh, It got bumped to 7.30 thanks to Spurs Nuggets, which I'm actually really appreciative of because I have midnight plans on Saturday and uh, I would not have been able to watch the end of the game. So shout out to the Spurs for... Midnight plans on Saturday's adventures? No, it's... it's, My wife is Orthodox Christian, so it's... uh, We have... uh, Easter this week instead of last week, and we have a oh. midnight church service to go to. So, oh, you just told me because you told me earlier that you were going to see Adventures on yeah, on yeah. Saturday. I'm doing that during the day. Then we're gonna go oh, home nice. and sleep. And By the way, I... yeah, you, you you can look forward to it. Okay, that's all I want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's do so. Raptors Sixers. There are a lot of matchup issues 
when I'm looking at this series uh, for the Sixers, mm-hmm. number one, Kawhi Leonard absolutely owns Ben Simmons. Like they, he, Simmons in four games against the Raptors this year had 25 turnovers. One of those games, Kawhi didn't play. So remove that game, and he had 24 turnovers in the three games Kawhi did play. Turnovers have plagued the Sixers team all year, but that's a huge issue. If if the Raptors have Kawhi on Simmons, which I'm fully expecting them to do, the Sixers have to figure out either how to get him going or how to get the offense going without him. So what do you think they do, Mort? No, it's it's a good question. I think the ball should go into the hands of Jimmy Butler more, mm-hmm. and that's also why I don't think Kawhi will spend as much time on Ben Simmons as, as we are maybe initially believing he is. I, I think it would make more sense just sticking Kawhi on Jimmy and removing that playmaking um, advantage that Philly would have in that. I, obviously, like, like we're sitting here talking about Kawhi being on a player, but in today's NBA, like everyone is switching around, and, and one player is guarding like four different people a game. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I would definitely prioritize Kawhi on on Jimmy as opposed to Ben, at least initially, because I think the playmaking ability of of Jimmy is what the Raptors should fear. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the playoffs, we've seen it time and time again in the playoffs. If you can't make shots from the perimeter, you are going to be somewhat limited. So I think. There is a scenario wherein Ben kind of can take himself out of the ball game just by not being able to make shots, mm-hmm. which means the offense has to find some level of competency through Jimmy and preferably Embiid. But he's matched up against Gasol, who's a behemoth of a human being. Yeah. So it just seems to me that Jimmy's going to be the guy that you're going to look for to make plays time and time again throughout this series, which means, you know, that Kawhi needs to shut that down. And he can. Yeah, see, I think. Kawhi starts on Simmons because of the... I mean, ideally, when the Sixers' offense is flowing as best it can, Simmons is the one orchestrating it. So I think, you know, that's... You, you stop him and then force them into alternate actions. And I agree, it's... The Sixers' natural counter is, okay, we're, we're going to have Simmons operate more off the ball as a screener and a rim runner. We'll mm. make Jimmy and Tobias even... Uh, they can create in isolation. They can create in pick and rolls. The problem is the Spurs also have, or sorry, the the Raptors also have a bunch of other good defenders in Pascal Siakam and Danny Green. Yep. So the way I'm envisioning it is it's going to be Kawhi on Simmons, Siakam on Harris, Danny Green on uh, Butler. But then that that leaves the question for the Raptors. The one vulnerability I see in their starting five defensively is Kyle Lowry is 6-1 the shortest person in the starting lineup for the Sixers oh you're being so kind yeah you're being so he's listed as 6-1 I should say he's actually listed at six feet nothing oh is he good yeah all right yeah so he's giving up half a foot to anyone in the Sixers starting lineup right where do you put him if you're the Raptor where do you put him on D well, if you had DeLon Wright still, you probably put him on the bench. No, um, I don't th- I don't know what you do with him, honestly. I think maybe you just put him on Ben, really. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't even mind because yeah, then Ben would go into the post and try to take him near the rim, mm-hmm. which, you know, fine. I, I think the Raptors would live with that because Kyle is still like, let, let's be honest about Kyle here for a second. He's still strong as hell. Like he's yeah. a frisky small guard. Who is a beef, you know, very beefy, uh, very very strong. Doesn't really back down a whole lot, and or doesn't you know doesn't concede ground, I should say. So, I I wouldn't have any trouble starting him on Simmons and seeing you know see how it rolls out. But preferably the way I see it is because Danny Green is is a wing and Tobias Harris is you know a, a smaller four. I wouldn't be surprised to see Daniel on Tobias a lot mm. and then have Kawhi spend a lot of time on Jimmy. And then if Kyle was on Ben, then Gasol obviously would be on Embiid. And Siakam on Redick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was actually thinking you, that you could get away with it. Or maybe you actually switch it around and you go Kyle on Redick yeah. and Siakam on Ben. Yeah. I, I think I, I think you're right, actually. Maybe they do try to put Kyle on Ben and goad him into 
I mean, Ben's so big that you don't want to give him those passing windows. I think that's tricky. But if you can goad him into, like, he he is pretty good in the post. Yeah. But it's still, like, an inefficient shot in general. You'd much rather Ben Simmons be taking hook shots than J.J. Redick or Tobias Harris coming open off the screens and hitting threes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky because if you put Kyle, like, theoretically, Kyle on J.J. just because that's the least size disadvantage, but I don't know that you want Kyle running through all the screens that J.J.'s going through. And you're going to sap his energy on defense and then make him less effective on offense. So... I mean, in general, I think the Raptors match up better with the Sixers than the Sixers do the Raptors. But yes. that said, I think that's the one area that they can and should look to exploit. And then, yeah, I mean, the Kawhi thing, I remember Matt Moore a couple of years ago for CBS Sports did that whole piece on, like, how teams were trying to neutralize Kawhi on defense. And, like, whenever Kawhi was on a three-point shooter, they would just hide that guy in the corner and just keep Kawhi glued to him and then run offense on the other half of the court. Like they were just like right. playing keep away from Kawhi. So it wouldn't totally shock me if the Sixers try to do that strategy too. Um, I should, but know- that doesn't work though. When you think about it, because that, that would work in San Antonio mm-hmm. because they didn't have multiple defenders to the same extent. I know Danny green was there and he came over, Yeah, but like there, there wasn't a Pascal Siakam, right? There wasn't a Marcus all controlling the paint. Like there's, this team is just so much better suited to actually help Kawhi defensively, I feel. Yeah. And before we get, we'll hit MB Gasol in a second. But I should note right. that I have a preview going up later today uh, about this whole series. We'll go into all of this stuff, too, and have some pretty numbers, all that good stuff, at the Basketball Writers. So, Mort, are you tired of clickbait, ads, pop-up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. The NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, the Draft, and many more corners of the Hoops universe they're soon to explore. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all the content from their whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. They'll see you at bballwriters.com. And don't forget to enter the code the NBA Pod for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. So enter the NBA Pod, and you can check out my full Raptors Sixers preview there. We also have some good stuff. I know a Celtics Bucks preview just went up. I'm sure we'll have the West once those teams actually take care of business. Knock on wood. Um,. But yeah, Mort, let's go into Gasol and Embiid, because I think this is the trade deadline move that may end up having possibly the biggest impact of any in terms of the Eastern Conference playoff race. Um, just because Gasol, Embiid struggled against Gasol before. When he when Gasol was in Memphis, Embiid did not shoot all that well. I think he averaged like 14 or 15 points a game on a low percentage from the field. This is one of the few guys, along with Al Horford, who can legit match up with Embiid one-on-one. And, you know, like Embiid in the first round, the Nets had no answer for him. Right. And, and he figured it out pretty quickly. He was on a bad knee, and he still put up, like, you know, a 31-16-7-6 game against them. Um, they, he's not going to have easy sledding this series. I would agree. And that's honestly still, even so, just going back to, to complete the, you know, the thought process with with Ben in connection with with Embiid as well, like if you force Ben to take post ups, that actually leaves out a Embiid post up, which I think Toronto would prefer. But as we're going to talk about right now, with Embiid and and Gasol, like maybe it ends up being a situation where the Raptors would actually want Embiid to kind of demand post touches because Gasol is so effective defending the rim and because he's like seven one two seventy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Like his weight is definitely around there. Mm-hmm. So physic, you know, from a physicality standpoint, he could match and beat strength wise and size wise. Like he's not going to finish over Gasol easy. Like this is not going to be like a Jared Allen Pogo stick that mm-hmm. you can just you know break in half. Right. Um, so I, I'm not sure what their plan of attack really is because it seems like if you're going into the post against Toronto, there are so many capable players that can make that into a difficult shot. Mm-hmm. 
Embiid is a pretty good passer in his own right. Yeah. It gets overshadowed a lot because of Ben Simmons' presence. But Embiid is a good passer, so maybe you actually use him as sort of a passing hub from the post, mm-hmm. where he'll recognize patterns, see if you know you get a, a some sort of down screen for JJ who, who can pop out. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. That that would maybe make sense, just using Embiid as a type of playmaker from the post and onwards. Not saying that he shouldn't take shots, obviously, <laughs> but I think that would be a fine secondary option. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gotten especially good at passing out of double teams. The problem is the Raptors, I don't think, are going to have to double team him as much as most other teams do. So Agreed. therein lies the trouble with this matchup for Embiid. Like, he, he has to dominate this matchup for them to win this series. But it's going to be really hard for him to do so. And it's mm-hmm. I, I, one thing is he can't get goaded into taking, like, a bunch of threes. He's, he's still got to go low, try to get Gasol in foul trouble, ideally, because they don't really have... Serge Ibaka is not going to be able to defend him like Mark right. Gasol will. So I think that's the play if you're Embiid, is still trust trust your post moves and really just try to take it to him and you know hope, <laughs> hope you can goad him into dumb fouls or even dumber ejections because that's, that's been the strategy for the last couple months for Embiid. Um, I, I I think it's possible. I wonder though, you know, just because of the size advantage, I think. And like you, you just mentioned, the, the Gasol would probably try to go uh, and beat into taking threes. Yeah. Like oh, obviously, yeah. Gasol is not great at defending the the perimeter a lot, mm-hmm. so he he would definitely prefer that. But at the same time, again, just because of that, you know, the the big size advantage that. Gasol has not over Embiid, but other against other NBA competition that Embiid normally faces, like Jared Allen, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you rather have Embiid just spend a ton of energy early on? Like, even if he scores ten points in the first quarter through a wide variety of jump hooks and post moves and whatnot, wouldn't you rather just want him to tire the hell out and just spend up energy early on so he won't be as efficient for the rest of the game? Like, even if you're Toronto. Yeah, I mean, one of the tricky things for this matchup is both Gasol and Ibaka are legit three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. Against the Nets, the Sixers were playing drop coverage because the Nets didn't have a stretch five, but that's... I don't know if that's going to work against the Raptors. Like, maybe they try it at first, and then, the, you know, they say, like, look, Gasol or Ibaka is going to have to hit some open threes against us, or we're just going to continue doing this, but that's the concern, especially for the backups. Like, Boban was surprisingly effective in the first round because, again, the Nets didn't have anyone who can punish him on open threes. But Boban against Ibaka, I'm worried that Boban's going to get played right off the floor in this matchup. Yeah, Ibaka's just both too quick. Like, he can drive by him. He can pull Mm -hmm. up a three. He's just so multifaceted. And him coming off the bench has kind of unleashed him, I feel. Yeah. But and that's really that's the crux of the issue. Like you mentioned Kyle Lowry about ten minutes ago when you said you didn't know if you wanted to see Kyle just run through screens chasing Reddick, but like look at Toronto's bench. Yeah. They have more depth than Philly. Mm-hmm. So you can effectively have a, a, a the first unit just go balls out in the first quarter, then have a competent second unit come in, providing the first unit with with at least half a quarter of rest, and then bring them back in. Like, Philly will have to just... This is a puzzle for them. They have to stagger minutes the right way because there isn't, like, a five-man unit just coming in off the bench there. They have to have, like, at least two starters on the floor for 48 minutes. Yeah. And another problem is Mike Scott is dealing with uh, plantar fasciitis and a right heel issue. Brett Brown said he's planning... He's not game planning with the idea that Mike Scott will be available in game one which means the Sixers bench is basically down to Boban and James Ennis. Maybe TJ McConnell gets dusted off because Fred Van Vliet uh, is likewise a smaller guard. So TJ gave up a lot of size to the Nets guys, Dinwiddie Levert, D'Angelo Russell, and you know didn't really play except for in garbage time after game one. Um, but without Scott, like that, th- that was their option for the small ball five is putting Scott or Simmons there. If Scott's not available, Jonah Bolden, you know, is just too young and raw still. Yeah, the bench is a big advantage for Toronto. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance the other the last point for philly is you know i'm assuming jimmy's going to be on Kawhi. i'm assuming Mm -hmm. ben's going to be on lowry at least to start defensively which theoretically means tobias harris guarding pascal siakam which does not seem like it's going to work all that well i would agree with that but i'm wondering if Maybe that's this like for both of these teams. I think it boils down to this is a pick your poison series. Like both teams have too much talent. You're not mm-hmm. going to stop everything. So you need to figure out what are you okay giving up. Right. So for the Sixers, if you could stop Lowry, if you could stop or not stop, but if you could slow down Lowry, slow down Kawhi, slow down Marcus All, are you okay saying Pascal's going to drop thirty on us? But if we can at least force the other guys to have tough shots, we can live with that. I mean, th- that's the game plan you, you know, everyone brings up when you have like a, a star team, right? When you have a full roster, like if you can minimize the effect of player X, Y, and C, doesn't matter if this guy pops out of nowhere and drops 30. Mm-hmm. It's always a problem because Siakam is efficient. He'll drop efficient, 30 efficient point. Yeah. That's and that's you know that that's really the crux of the issue here is it's fine if you have an Allen Iverson type who'll go off for thirty but take twenty nine shots doing it. Mm-hmm. Siakam's not that type of guy. Like he'll get to the line, he'll hit threes, he'll uh, he'll finish around the paint, he'll hit mid rangers like and and he does so efficiently because he selects his shots. Like even if you put him in a position where he has to score, he's not going to shoot relentlessly without any sort of mind or matter with it. Like he will he'll take smart shots, he'll make the appropriate plays. So. He's probably the one guy I wouldn't give too much freedom. If anything, I would even have the rest of the team just kind of amp up the shot attempts. If I can take Pascal Siakam out of the game, that's what I do. Yeah. He's a ball handler. He's a multifaceted defender. He's a rebounder. He's a you know he's a shooter. He's a slasher. He he can do he can he can play make from the three point line from the elbow from the post wherever he is on the court he can play make, and like he is. The one of the most crucial, the second most crucial elements of this series mm-hmm. after Kawhi. Yeah, like I, that's the guy I would try to limit. I think what happens is Simmons starts on Lowry, Tobias starts on Pascal, Tobias gets cooked, and Simmons moves to Pascal. Because I think you, especially given Lowry's reputation in the playoffs, whether it's fair or unfair, I think you could probably live with him going off more than you could Kawhi or Pascal. It's fair at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Like, can we? I I get that it's not. It feels icky, just kind of you know criticizing Kyle, but yeah, he hasn't really shown he can string together like a full, uh, yeah, a full playoffs really with with superior play. I think it's okay to say that that element plays a factor going into this series as well. Yeah. I, I do wonder though, if you're if you're Philly, how confident do you feel about Ben on Pascal Siakam though? I wouldn't be. I mean, I feel better about him than I do Tobias. Like Ben's a good yeah, defender, yeah. and Ben was real he locked is. in against D'Angelo in the first round. He's got the size to match up. I mean, again, you're not going to stop any of these guys, but I think Ben at least has a better chance of slowing down Pascal than I. I think Tobias will get absolutely roasted. I I think the question rather is like I think you're right that Ben would slow down Pascal's Yakum scoring. Mm-hmm. But how does he defend like all the playmaking, all the intangibles, like just the smart plays? 
can he do that? Can he really disrupt Siakam to the extent that he is, you know, lowered in terms of his effectivity? I think he could. I mean, Ben was, I think he's leading the, or either tied or leading with uh, Damian Lillard in terms of deflections per game in the first round. I mean, he is, Ben's a smart defender. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. he gets enough credit for that. Uh, and Brett Brown said as much. You know, he was like, look, you can focus on the offense all you want, but this kid's like a 6'10", versatile defender who can, you know, he was on a point guard last round, and now we're talking about him depending a power forward. Like, he's right. He's very good on that end of the floor. So I, I think that's why you at least have to – like, he's he and Jimmy are the two good wing defenders, and then Tobias is meh. And Redick is a giant red flag. Right. So, uh, yeah. And Embiid is the anchor, obviously, right. but he's hobbled a little bit on the leg, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your prediction for this series? Mm, I mean, I, I think it can go either way, and I'm not just saying that as a cop-out. I genuinely feel that, that this series can swing. Yeah. But if I'm looking at it, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm, I'm leading Toronto. Mm-hmm. I really am. And the crazy thing about this series is nothing would surprise me. Yeah. Like, both teams could sweep and it could go seven. Mm-hmm. Like, I, nothing would surprise me here because it's all about the matchup. And the matchup in the regular season, in my opinion, just does not apply in a playoff context because you have so much more time to prepare and, like, everything goes into it. Like, the emotions are running high. Everything is more intense. I, I, I just usually throw the regular season out. I don't think it matters as much as people make it out to do. But, and... But when it comes down to it, Toronto has Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Kawhi is so good that we just don't we don't talk about him enough. He's a pick and roll guy. He's also a screen like he can do both. He's a rebounder. He's a def- he's one of the league's best defenders, like a top three defender at the very least. He he can score from the post. He can get to the free throw line. He is superbly efficient. Doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. Everything he does is calculated in the best degree possible. And with the Sixers, who are still gelling, like let's be fair, they are still gelling. Mm -hmm. And they all have to throw like a bunch of different defenders on him. And from what we've seen from Kawhi all year long, and frankly throughout the course of his career, is that doesn't bother him. Throwing three or four different people at him, he seems unfazed by it. This dude is just wired differently. Mm-hmm. And in a playoff context, I would dread him a lot. Combine that with the fact that you have a guy in Pascal Siakam who is as unselfish as they come, who's a genuinely just terrific playmaker from the four, who has the ability now to stretch the court, and you have Gasol who can, I don't want to say stop Embiid because he can't, but he can at least make hard li- life hard on Embiid. I don't know. I just don't like that problem. Mm-hmm. So... You were taking the Raptors how many games? I want to give Philly some some level of credit here, and I think they will take a couple games. I'm saying six or seven with okay. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to your point about the regular season, all four of their games came before the trade deadline. So Tobias Harris has not played in any of the games against Toronto this year. Marcus All has not played against the games or against Philly uh, as a Raptor. Fun fact: Markel Fultz started the first game. In the regular season between these two teams. Mike Muscala started the final two. And my favorite part, Greg Monroe, who is now a sixer, started for the Raptors in one of the regular season games. So just throw throw the results out the window. But I think you can glean at least individual matchups. Like the Ben Kawhi thing came from the regular season. And I think that is a legit concern that you can pull from that tape. Um, That's fair. And then like same thing with I know... Gasol has not played Embiid as a Raptor, but Gasol has played against Embiid, so we've seen the matchup trouble he gives. So I'm with you. I like. I wish I could, you know, in my heart of hearts, I would love to pick the Sixers in this series. And if we see the Sixers that showed up in Game 5, if they show up throughout this entire series, then they do have a chance. If they figure out some of these matchup issues, if Embiid's knee is feeling a little better after a couple days of rest, maybe they can do it. I'm just not super confident. I feel like this is the series where Kawhi reminds us why he was, you know, right in the thick of that MVP race a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, I, you know, like they they blasted the Magic. Who gives a crap? Of course they were going to blast the Magic. 
this is a really, you know, they're going against four all-star caliber players in Jimmy, Tobias, Ben, and Embiid. I think Kawhi is going to be the best player on the floor in this series, so I'm also going Raptors in six. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Uh, I think what swings the series, if that's possible, is Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy is the big X factor for Philly for sure. Uh, because if he goes into what did he have in game one? Thirty against Brooklyn, he has thirty six, right? So, yeah. yeah, and he didn't force the issue unless it was needed. Like he just he took his time. He understood time and score. Um, he was just brilliant. I know, I know, Brooklyn won, but um, that that sense, that dagger that he has in him, that ability to just turn it on and off, mm-hmm. that's crucial for Philly in this series. He has to be on at all times. Yeah. Like there is just no going back there. He has to be aggressive from the start to finish. Yeah, I mean, he has to battle Kawhi to a standstill, basically. Yeah, which is going to be really, really hard. But if he does that. If he does that, he's going to earn, you know, there's still a lot of concern in Philly about giving him a long-term max deal. If he battles Kawhi to a standstill and helps Philly win this mm-hmm. series, he deserves every single penny he's going to get this summer. I will. I mean, I will say this. Jimmy, over the last couple of years, has been the player, at least from what I've seen, who guards James Harden the best. Yeah. And James Harden has way more tricks up his sleeve than Kawhi does. Kawhi is a little bit more simplistic. Mm-hmm. He's just, <laughs> but it's for some some reason like you just can't stop it. You know what's coming with Kawhi, like you know his his very limited moves package, and you still can't stop it, which is very intriguing to see how that plays out. But yeah, yeah, Jimmy strikes me as the type who gets like really fired up for going against a guy, an all NBA caliber guy like Kawhi. So I think mm-hmm. this is going to bring out the. I hope it's going to bring out the best in Jimmy, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense instead of, hey, stop Karis LeVert or D'Angelo Russell. Right, who are both good players. No offense to them. Like, D'Angelo is an all-star. Karis is going to be an all-star. But there's a difference between two young guys who you expect to beat and Kawhi Leonard, who, like, you know, arguably could have been the MVP two years ago. Okay, then say Tamara Carroll's dead. (laughs) There we go. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. All right, let's flip to Milwaukee-Boston because, again, stakes are super high here. Milwaukee, all of their top guys except for Giannis and now Eric Bledsoe are free agents. Boston, obviously. Kyrie Irving is a free agent. Al Horford could opt out and become a free agent. So a lot riding on this series as well. I think the big question for Boston, aside from, you know, they beat Indiana, like, their chemistry looks fine right now, but... So, like, chemistry is still lingering just because of the 82-game season that they had. But the big question is, how do you stop Giannis? Well, I mean, you don't. They don't have the personnel. Right. Look, I've seen I've seen a lot of Celtics fans argue about Marcus Morris. And I get oh. it. Like, size-wise, he's big. Like, he can be physical. Uh-huh. I, I get the logic that they're trying to extract from that idea. But it's just not a reality. Like, Marcus Morris is not going to be a Giannis Antetokounmpo stopper. No. Like, let's be real. Like, no. That's, that's just that's ludicrous. And, you know, Al Horford I've seen proposed, but, like, Giannis will take one big step around <laughs> Al and be at the rim. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the quickness will help him whatsoever. Jalen Brown, too small. Like, he's just flat out too small. And Jason Tatum just doesn't have the defensive prowess yet. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not even near being ready for that uh gordon hayward let's be honest like no 
just no. <laughs> he's still coming back from that awful ankle uh, injury, and he's looked a lot better the past two or three months, I want to say. Yeah. And athletically, he's looking to be better, but he, like, even prime, healthy Gordon Hayward will have trouble with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, it's oh, not, for sure. Yeah, so, so, so that's your answer. You don't stop Giannis. You figure out a way to stop everyone else. And we just talked about this for, for the Philly-Toronto series. Like, you can't really go into a series with the mindset of, hey, let's stop everyone else because that's just not the way it works. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you right off the bat. I have a very hard time seeing how Boston can, you know, bring out an effective defense against the Bucs mm-hmm. because you have a ton of shooters and Giannis. So you're effectively creating Giannis all the space that he needs to drive, and there is no one there to stop him from just ending every possession in a dunk. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see what they do. So I'm going to follow with a question here, but or I guess two questions really. One, what they could do is what Philly did and say – Giannis can go for 45 or 50, but we're going to stay glued to all your other shooters. He wants to create. Like, he's he, he does, he's inclined to get his teammates involved, not to the extent that a LeBron James is or, like, a Steve Nash back in the day. But, you know, like, he's willing to drop 45 or 50 if that's what you're giving up. But, like, he still does want to kick the ball out to a Chris Middleton or a Brooke Lopez. So maybe that's the play is just say, okay, like we're just going to really smother Middleton, Bledsoe, Lopez, those guys and make you, if you get 50, we could still beat you that way. But they also in Indiana, they were starting a two big lineup with Horford and Baines. They do, as you alluded to, they could put Marcus Morris back in the starting lineup. They could put Gordon Hayward back in there. What do you think they do? Do you think they change their starting lineup for game one? Oh, yeah, there's no way they can... I mean, I get the Aaron Baines, Al Horford uh, lineup for Indiana, but how can they justify that against Milwaukee? Giannis is playing the four. Right. So, obviously, one of those guys would have to be on Giannis, more than likely Horford. But like I just said, like I love Al. Al is one of the top five smartest players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. No question. He still, from a physical standpoint, can do nothing with Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. And Giannis is taller, longer, significantly more athletic, and he starts his point of attack from outside the three-point line. Mm-hmm. So or Horford would have to go all the way out there. Right. One giant, you know, first step from Giannis, game over. Well, I mean, I think you sag off of Giannis if he's open behind the three-point. You, you... If it's if it's Horford, even if you sag off, he'll still blow by you. <laughs> That's that is possible. I mean, I definitely think they don't, because not only the Giannis issue, but Brooke Lopez is a stretch five now. You can't have Aaron Baines guarding him like that. So right. I, I definitely do think they they should switch to the starting lineup, and I think they will heading into game one. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Marcus Morris back in there. But yeah, I mean, like the Giannis issue is looming very large over them in this series, obviously. Uh, on the Bucks side, how about Eric Bledsoe? Do you think he can make life difficult on Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I think he can. He's he's up to it. I mean, he's one I think we've forgotten how good defensively Eric Bledsoe can be. Yeah. I mean, we we've talked about his offensive efficiency a lot this year, and to be frank, like he hasn't had to play, you know, all you know, all league defense throughout the course of this entire season because the Bucks were just like they were a well-oiled machine. Like he didn't have to go, you know, balls to the wall every single possession defensively. Mm-hmm. In, in the playoffs here, now that they're up against a real test, yeah, I, I think he can. I think he can turn that engine on. And on the other end, like I'm kind of worried about Kyrie. Kyrie defending Bledsoe? Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I think Bledsoe can eat his lunch. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. This, this series is very similar to Toronto-Philly in the sense that like both teams present some tough matchup problems for the other one um Giannis obviously for the Bucks but if if Bledsoe could play Kyrie to a standstill that's a huge win for the Bucks and I think mm-hmm. there's at least a chance that happens um another issue for them is you know Milwaukee all year has been playing this drop coverage with Brooke Lopez trying to goad 
yeah, okay, all these centers could hit threes. Like, yeah, sure, you shoot 28% from three-point range, go right ahead. Right. Al Horford's a good three-point shooter. Yep. So is that drop coverage going to work against the Celtics, or are they going to have to change their defensive scheme on the fly here? I wouldn't mind seeing Horford take a lot of shots because he's not a high-volume shooter. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes unnatural for a player who is used to taking around 10 shots a game to suddenly take 17 or 18. Mm. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it initially. Like, yeah, he may actually punish you in the first or second quarter. That That's fine. You kind of live with it. Mm-hmm. Because if Horford is the one taking shots, then that means that's a drive uh, that Kyrie Irving is not going to take where he potentially draws fouls, gets to the line, mm-hmm. and puts you in the bonus quickly or puts them in the bonus quickly. Mm-hmm. Open shots, yeah. I'll, I mean, why not? It's fine. Just protect the rim. Make sure that you don't get in foul trouble. I'll live with it if I'm, a, if I'm Milwaukee. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think. I don't think they change their scheme, heading into game one, just because it's gotten them so far. It's gotten them to where they are. They were, I think, the yeah. They led the league in defensive rating this year. You know, it's. Mm. They obviously did not play Boston all 82 games, but I think you stick with what got you there until Boston, until like you're, the team you're playing punishes you for it. And then once that happens, then you can reevaluate. I think the Pistons, unfortunately, were not a good warm-up for this team because Andre Drummond is very much not that type of player. So... They oh, have- you didn't like the step-back three-pointer he attempted? <laughs> Milwaukee did. Um, but you know, there, this is a very different team stylistically. So you have to basically throw out what happened. Like Milwaukee is not going to blow this Celtics team out by 20 plus points every night. I don't think it's not going to be as easy as their route of the Pistons. Agreed. But there is a world wherein they do take the upper hand very early on and just never let up. Yeah, it's very possible. And that goes back to what I was alluding to earlier with the chemistry stuff. Like, yeah, the Celtics beat, yeah, they swept the Pacers, which is great. But the Pacers aren't the Bucks. Like, the you know, the Pacers have a bunch of role players without a star with Oladipo mm-hmm. hurt. The, the Bucks have a bunch of role players plus some, I mean, I would say Chris Middleton is better than anyone on the Pacers roster aside from Oladipo. I think that is very fair. And I think Eric Bledsoe, frankly, is better at creating his own offense than anyone on the Pacers roster other than Oladipo. I actually think he's better than everyone on the roster not named Oladipo as well. Yeah. So, like, for for Boston, this is also... I know, like, yeah, the Pacers had a really good defense. They were third in the league during the regular season, but the Bucks were even better defensively, and they have many more mm. offensive weapons than the Oladipo list Pacers did. So I know Boston fans are like suddenly feeling great. Like, oh yeah, we're going to make the finals now. We're, everything's better because we swept the Pacers. But the Bucks are a much, much, much more difficult challenge. Um, that's How it. do you like Jason Tatum, by the way, in this series? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... Because I think Middleton's going to be on him, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's I I think you and I are going the same place. Yeah. yeah, and like I mean Middleton, these two teams played each other last year in the first round, and Middleton shot like sixty percent from three or some re- nonsense, right? No, yeah, he was he was extremely efficient against the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, like that was his back to I mean because he was he had the hamstring issue the year before if I'm remembering correctly, and was like out for most of the year. Um, and then, like, that was his breakout party back into, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm really great still. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be, like, I know this is, Boston fans probably feel good about this because you beat them last year in the first round without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. Now you've got your talent back. But also, last year's Bucks team was coached by Joe Prunty, did not have Brooke Lopez. Like, this is a very, very, very different series. The one mm-hmm. we had last year. And Giannis is like 20% better. <laughs> that seems low. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah, you're right. <laughs> right, But yeah, I mean, Middleton did, yeah, he shot 59.8% overall, 61% from three. 25 of 41 from mm. three in that series. That's outrageous. And Bledsoe I mean... is better this year than he was last year too, I think. 
yeah, his shot selection has just improved drastically. Yeah. I, I think part of this is it really comes down also to like Jalen Brown, right? Because mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, who's who's had great games shooting the ball, is still not one of those guys you can rely on to the same extent game in and game out, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, if you're Brad Stevens and the, and the Celtics, you have to actually look at him from a game-to-game basis. Like, if is he hot early on? Great, ride him. If he's not, get him the F out and get Gordon in yeah. to make some plays, some... So, so the stu- substitution patterns have to be on point for Brad Stevens because against Milwaukee, who has such a volatile defense and just such an effective running game, mm-hmm. you just you cannot afford keeping a guy in who potentially is just you know wrecking havoc on the other spectrum of it for your own team. Yeah. And you know I, I like Jalen Brown, I do, but he does have that potential, unfortunately, where if. If he's not hitting, he's not effective, and he takes his, himself out of the ball games once in a while defensively, when he's not offensively engaged. Not to, not to say he, that he just stops up; like he still plays hard, but he seems to like mentally lose his focus a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And the Bucks this year also have you know they have more forward depth than they did last year in that series. Like last year, they had to rely. On Jabari Parker for 167 minutes in that series. Thon Maker played 130 minutes. Tony Snell yeah. played 134 minutes. There you go. Yeah. This year, they have Nico. They have Ursan Ilyasova. They have DJ Wilson. He's not going to play all that much, but they have him as a break glass in case of emergency option. They have and they have brocked him after game two, potentially. Yeah, right. So... He and Smart are both missing at least a couple games in this series. Um, who do you think's the bigger absence, or who whose absence will hurt his team more? Smart. I agree. Yeah. With all due respect to Brogdon, but yeah, I think Brogdon is the better player. Yeah. I think Smith has or Smart, sorry, <laughs> has a bigger impact on his team mm-hmm. because you know the Bucks are just so deep. Yeah. I'm not overlooking that that Brockton is one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA mm-hmm. and a steady playmaker, a solid defender who's got long arms for days. Like he's he's incredibly long as well, and I mean he's great. And and from just in isolation view, I, I would take Brockton over Marcus Smart every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. But Smart's defensive know-how and aggressiveness, especially in a playoff setting. Mm-hmm. For Boston specifically, that's that's there's no getting around that. That's a huge loss. Yeah, because smart. I think you're just gonna miss that defense in particular. On you could have put him if Bledsoe is going off and Kyrie can't guard him. You could put him there. If Middleton's going off, you could put him on Middleton. Like he's mm-hmm. their best wing defender, I think. And this, I mean, and you just need guys. You need different looks to throw at Giannis too. And yep. that's that takes away one of, as you said, yeah, Gordon Hayward. I don't want to. I don't want a single possession where Gordon Hayward is guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. So they've got Brown, Tatum, and Morris. But Smart would have been a nice fourth option. I guess Horford too in there. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Smart's the bigger absence uh, in this series. I also think, you know, last year we had the scary Terry breakout playoff performance, blah, blah, blah. Milwaukee having George Hill in this series could be kind of big. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> Terry Rozier against George Hill, I know who I'm taking there. Yeah. I, I trust George Hill way more than I trust Rozier. Right. Rozier is, you know, he can go 11 for 19 one game and he go 1 for 7 the next night. Yeah. And his defense swings because he's just he's basically playing off of energy once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I don't have a baseline on him. I don't have an understanding of where are you as a player, which is also going to hurt him a lot in free agency this summer, by the way. Yeah. But no, I mean, George Hill is like he started in San Antonio. Remember? Yeah. Like he's got the pop system in him, like the basketball know how. He's he's actually one of Pop's favorite players. Mm-hmm. Like that, Pop has said repeatedly that that's the one guy. He actually hated giving up, like where he was really, really hard on himself afterwards. Like, why did I give up George Hill? I love George Hill. Right. right. That means you have a mind 
for the game. Yeah. Terry Rozier is very much an you know an instinct player. Yeah. And in a playoff setting, I would much much rather have a guy who thinks out the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we're leaning in the same direction for this series, but what's your prediction? Yes. Bucks in four or five. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Maybe we're not. I think it's gonna be closer. I think yeah. I was leaning Bucks in six. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not there. And I've realized that I'm, I mean, I come off as a huge Celtics hater because I actually <laughs> thought that that <laughs> Indiana had a chance here. Yeah, That was dumb, and I'll definitely take ownership of that. Trust me, I'm not a Celtics hater, but I, I'm a major believer of this year's Bucks team. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think they they their entire team just runs so smoothly. Like, not and not just from an on-court perspective as well, like, personalities from behind the scenes their camaraderie mm-hmm. the chemistry and and that's not trying to make a comment on the Kyrie stuff <laughs> and, and the and the kids like that, that's that seems to have that seems to be over with yeah. honestly right but i do think that the chemistry um is just better in Milwaukee like they they just seem to be on a different level mentally like a, i don't know i'm just feeling them really yeah no i, yeah. I think that's fair i i, I Look, the Pistons were completely outmatched in that first-round series anyway, especially with Blake Griffin banged up. But no team has been more impressive in the playoffs than the Milwaukee Bucks so far. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, Portland, you could argue just because they so vastly exceeded expectations. But, like, right. look at the Warriors right now. You know, they they entered the postseason. They entered this season and the playoffs as the overwhelming favorite to win the title. And they're going to a game six in the first round because they lost two yep. home games. Like the Bucks, just took care of business. They just obliterated the Pistons. And they didn't even have to work that hard to do it. Oh, yeah. They were playing 70% that series. Yeah. Like Giannis averaged fewer than 30 minutes a game in that series. Remembering game, was it game one when he had like 24 points and 17 rebounds in 23 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, there isn't a single Bucks player actually who averaged more than thirty minutes in that series. Yeah, like they're just well rested. They got a, a full week of rest. They're oh man, yeah, they, no. Sunday could get ugly. I I think they're game one. They're gonna come out and look to make a statement against Boston. I think Boston might be able to steal game two, but I think right. Milwaukee's just gonna smack them in game one. Just one final note on this series, and I know I bring it up every single year with the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go back to it. 1998, Bulls Pacers, Scottie Pippen goes on Mark Jackson just to completely ruin their offense. Mm. Completely destroys them. Could you see a scenario wherein Giannis gets at least a couple possessions early on on Kyrie? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think yep. the Celtics are going to do whatever they can to get to avoid those matchups, but right, yeah, I think Giannis is going hunting. I think so too, and I think this is going to be I, when a couple of years ago I called Giannis the defensive-minded version of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to see this series. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I, I mean, we we saw Giannis as a monster all year. I mean, he's the MVP, one yeah. of the MVP favorites for a reason. I think, I hope that he lives up to what he can bring to this series. He seems he seems ready for it. Like he's he's wired I agree. for this one, I think. I agree. Yeah. Hey, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the Hi Jamie, it's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the name your price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes blah blah blah, and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes, no, maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the ncua all right let's flip to the western conference shortly um again we can't do a second round preview since we're recording this on friday 
Clippers uh, Warriors game six is tonight. <laughs> I didn't expect to be saying there was a game six of Clippers Warriors, Mort. I right. uh, especially after seeing you know the Magic and the Nets kind of just rolled over and played dead. When when you're a three one, when you're down three one in the series and you're going back on the road for game five, usually you get like a nice hearty one two three Cabo, and then yep. that's it. The Clippers just refused to play dead. So what are you expecting? I, I still think it's safe to say the Warriors are going to win the series. Uh, and I love the Rockets went out to the Bay Area on Friday. Yeah, they're like, no disrespect to the Clippers, but we just want to get our bodies ready for Pacific time. Like, we just, if there is a game one on Sunday, we want to be ready. But how worried should we be about the Warriors, even if they win this series? Looking ahead to a potential Warriors-Rockets second round. Not a whole lot. So here's the thing. A lot of people are are bringing up the wrong narrative. They're talking about what's wrong with the dubs, right? Yeah, yeah. This is about the Clippers and how they're spunky and frisky and they have no quit in them. Yeah. This this is a testament to just how great they are right now and how in tune they are with one another, how they're fighting for each other. Like, this is, is Team Chemistry 101. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing considering the big midseason trade. Yeah. Like, I, I'm very, very much surprised at how quickly all those guys gelled. And it seems like there isn't really any ego on that team. Maybe it's because they have a bunch of youngsters and at least... At, at least two rookies playing mm-hmm. and you know they're still feeling each other out and feeling the league on whatever but i mean they're just spunky they're coming out of nowhere they're just they're making shots they're unafraid and i think coming into this series there was no pressure yeah like it's the warriors like they they were expected to lose and they were like oh okay i there's no pressure on us on us we can just go out and play our game we can do whatever the hell we want mm-hmm. and then shy dropped 25 i know you know it was a loss but still like come on yeah that's insane <laughs> and lou williams has been a walking bucket all series mantras harrell has been equally i mean those guys off the bench have just been devastating i think that there's two things the clippers have been doing one uh, their bench, just because they're bringing Lou and Trez off the bench, they're exploiting one of the Warriors' big weaknesses is that they're a very top-heavy team. So mm-hmm. that that's caused problems, and the Clippers kind of got away from it a little bit toward the end of Game 5, and uh, the announcers were even like, why are you posting up Danilo Gallinari? Or, like, why are you posting up Montrez Harrell? Like, just run a pick-and-roll with Lou Williams every single time, and he's going yep. to score. And then they did, and then they won. Um, but yeah, I think it's more, with all due respect to the Clippers, who have showed no quit and like deserve all the credit in the world, that when we do a buy Felicia for them, I'm going to have nothing but positive things to say about this franchise, because I think this series in particular, and I wrote about this at the B-Ball Writers earlier this week, um, this series like cements why they are arguably the top free agent destination this summer. Like This is a yeah. great recruiting tape. We beat the Warriors twice at Oracle in the playoffs. We were the biggest first-round underdog in 30 years. And we stretched this to a Game 6. We're the only one of two series to go to a Game 6. Like Maybe Game 7. Yeah. like that. They, they have a hell of a culture down there. So kudos to the Clippers. But it does feel like this is just the Warriors refusing to take them seriously. Because you know, after the Game 2 route, or the, the Game 2, you know, they're up 31, blew that, and had the historic comeback... Game three, they were just like, nope, it's over. <laughs> we're no. not, we have n- no tolerance for this. And I think that's what we're going to see in game six too. I, I just think it's like the Warriors weren't taking this one seriously. And they expect, when you're up 31, you expect the other team to roll over and die. Or you expect Doc Rivers to empty his bench. And to Doc Rivers' credit, he's like, no, whatever, we have nothing to lose. We'll just let our guys play. So Yeah, but needing two wake-up calls in the same series is not a great sign. I know. So that's the question for Clippers Rock or for Warriors Rockets. Do you think there's any carryover effect? Like I kind of think they weren't ever gonna take the Clippers seriously, but I think they're definitely gonna take the Rockets seriously. Oh, of course. Look, they've seen all the narratives. Like they've heard people, including well, they've not maybe not heard us, but they've heard people say that if Chris Paul played game seven last year. Yeah. The Rockets were one. You and I have talked about that. We believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're out to prove something against the Rockets specifically. Yeah. I mean, they they have that 
you know series circled. Yeah. Now they just need to take care of business against LA and not and not look at it as just something that has to pass them by because theoretically having lost two games now you were, you have two additional games on your bodies right that you really shouldn't have right that's dumb yeah yeah and the rockets did take care of business so they're going to have a little bit of extra rest and again moving to pacific time a couple of days early getting adjusted to that so super smart move from Daryl Morey and the rockets but of course befitting yeah. Daryl Morey and the rockets but yeah i'm not i don't think we should necessarily take concerns about like the Clippers pushing them to a game six. I don't know that that says anything about an upcoming Warriors rocket series other than if the Warriors take the rockets as lightly as they did the Clippers, which I don't think they will, then they're in some real trouble. But mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, like the Western conference finals last year, plus James Harden averaging 36 this year, like they know the second round is really the Western Conference Finals again. Like, whoever makes it out of the other side of the bracket, they will have a much easier time against, I think, in the actual Western Conference Finals if they make it that far. But, like, this is the one series between now and the finals that they will be in legit danger of losing. Yep, I would agree. So let's quickly hit Denver-San Antonio. Spurs win game six at home despite a monster performance from Nikola Jokic. I'm not going to pretend I watched a single second of it. I was watching the NFL draft last night, so I have no real insight to provide. But I do want to ask you, who's got who's taking game seven? It's in Denver. I have the Nuggets because Jokic was absolutely livid after the game. He was so upset. I can't tell if he was upset at, him, at himself or the team or whatnot, but he's going to come out swinging. In Game Seven, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I'm, and that's no disrespect to San Antonio. <laughs> they stepped up in Game Six, and Lamarcus, especially like they they they've gone to Lamarcus so early on in games, even from the three, really, which I love to see. Mm-hmm. And and they're just trying to space out the floor initially so they can get their inside game going. I like that very very much, but the atmosphere in Denver, yes, I, I think I think they're ready to take this series. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's like all due credit to the Spurs who I know this was a trendy upset pick. I picked the Spurs to win this series. Um, and a lot of Nuggets people were outraged that like we're the number 2 seed. How are you disrespecting us? Like this is what every all of the ne- all the narratives going into this series have applied. Like the Spurs have used their postseason experience. They had a big breakout from Derek White that one game. Um, the Nuggets, like Jamal Murray, looked a little shook the first couple games. He's since kind of snapped out of that. Jokic, as you said, was a monster in Game 6. It would not shock me at all if they go home. I mean, they won Game 5 pretty resoundingly. I think yeah. they both teams know, obviously, like the stakes of a Game 7. The Spurs have been there before. The, the Nuggets have not. So that will add some pressure. But, yeah, I think the home court advantage swings it for the Nuggets. But if you're the, the Blazers now... And you're sitting there getting some rest ahead of your second round series. Which of these teams would you prefer to face? Oh, if I'm Portland, I'm rooting for San Antonio. No question. Yeah, I agree. No question. Yeah. And and again, with all due respect to the Spurs, but there are just more guys on the Nuggets I'm scared of if I'm... Yeah, this is about matchups. Yeah. This is about, like, could you imagine how Nikola Jokic just could destroy (laughs) and murder Ennis Kander? I know. Yeah, if they had use of Nurkic, it's a little different, but... Yeah, yeah, I, and I get Spurs fans will say, "Well, what about Lamarcus Aldridge?" Right. With all due respect to Lamarcus Aldridge, he ain't Nikola Jokic. Yeah, well, it's just a different Sorry. type of player. Yeah, but Jokic is better. Right, he's more influential. Right, like he can, he, he is more multifaceted. He can shoot from outside. He can he can give you ten assists. He's a great. He's a better rebounder. He can score from the post as well as Lamarcus. Like he's just he's a different beast. Yeah, and in, in, literally everywhere on the court. So. And and I don't think Portland would be able to necessarily survive that series, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I could see a world in which any of the three remaining teams, Denver, San Antonio, or Portland, makes it to the Western Conference Finals. But if you're running like 10,000 simulations of Denver, Portland, and San Antonio, Portland, I'm going to say Portland wins against the Spurs more than they do against the Nuggets. Yeah, agreed. So we will not have a second round preview for the West because I'm going to be out of town. So I apologize in advance, but we will be back 
uh, early next week with uh, some early takeaways from the second round. We're also going to have a bye Felicia for the four teams that have gotten knocked out so far. So the Nets, Magic, Jazz, and Thunder, the latter of which is going to be quite an interesting uh, 15 minutes or so. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tepork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Take care, man. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.